Welcome to Rationally Writing. I'm Dave Starald. And I'm Alexander Wales. And this is episode 55, Political Plots. So, yeah, political plots are uh, pretty rare, I would say, in rational fiction. Um, yeah, pretty rare generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is a genre for them, but even more generally, I think people will take, will, will tend to take political plot lines and include a lot of action in them. Mm-hmm. So there is a political conflict of some kind. It's about different political groups. It's about the the people involved and, and what they believe and things like that. And then someone's trying to shoot someone else with a gun. Yeah. Right? Um, or this, the, the way to... Like, politics is breaking down. And so the protagonists have to either take it on themselves to solve the problem through violence or the antagonists are the ones escalating things to violence and, like, the protagonists have to survive it as best they can. Yeah, and sometimes that's that takes the form of a like thriller, or it can be a, a mystery mm-hmm. of some kind where you know people are trying to unravel why this like targeted violence is happening, and it's not actually like politics is just the the excuse for it. Yeah, it's not... so it's addressing window dressing. Yeah, so uh, some examples of like purely political plots: the traitor Baru Karmarant is one. It's not. I wouldn't say purely political because pur- purely political would mean that there's no Come to think of it, the only purely political plot I can think of is, like, the West Wing. <laughs> um, well, so West Wing had a lot of it. House of Cards had a fair amount. Yeah, that... but spoiler alert, I guess, for, for these shows. Like, this, like in terms of people turning to violence at some point or the other to, like, solve their ends, I guess it's still part of politics, right? Do we want to distinguish that? Like, for, for, in my mind, to distinguish it, it means, like... Because you're, you're right, House of Cards definitely... Um, focuses a lot on politics. There's a lot of the, the the story beats are revolving around political plays and and like the results of that. But like it still involves some amount of what I would call like action. Yeah, right. There's there's um, I think House of Cards I'd say is like seventy thirty. Mm-hmm. In like the thirty is is murder or <laughs> or things like that. It's not coercion stuff like that. Yeah, and a lot a lot of it is um not well okay. It's it's like 20 to 30 percent like actual violence and then like maybe another 50 percent like coercion and and playing dirty basically mm-hmm. but then there's also a lot of like messaging and deal making and and things like that that, right, right. that go into it as well uh and and that that uh deal making that messaging that that kind of thing that's kind of what i'd like focus on today yeah uh as what i think of when i'm talking about a a political plot so political maneuvering would be the main, like, information gathering, finding the opposition's wants and needs and, and weak points and trying to legally exploit them is kind of like the main the main form of what action would look like in these in these stories. Yeah. And legal is kind of a... <laughs> well, it can be a gray area. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, especially because, well, in U.S. politics especially, there are a lot of gray areas in terms of what is or is not an offense. And some of that depends on the authority that mm-hmm. is doing the, the prosecuting. And that's uh, so, so in like modern U.S. politics. I've actually I've read way more uh, like real life politics mm-hmm. stuff that's sort of in the frame of like recapping what is happening on like a plot level within like political campaigns or, or during like political times. And mm-hmm. stuff, right. Very little of which gets out into like public news consumption uh for whatever reason like you 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 do have to read like personal accounts obviously of like 
people who were there at the time to, to get this information. But like, I've read a few of these kinds of things before, and it's really fascinating in a lot of ways. And I always, it always interests me how little of it gets out in the moment and how much of it always comes after the fact. Yeah. And very little of it gets turned into, into fiction, mm-hmm. right? Like, like when people are writing their own political plots, that they, they very rarely take that much inspiration from, from the real world, right. like how actual maneuvering and stuff gets done. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think of some other examples of, uh, the thick of it. If you, I don't know if you ever saw that. I did not. Or it's like a British comedy ish. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like a not very funny comedy, <laughs> but like not funny in, in like a very dry and understated humor kind uh-huh. of way. Um, it's like the British West Wing. Yeah. No, it's like the British Veep. Okay. I, I did not watch Veep either. <laughs> okay, uh, I actually think it might be by the same the same writer producer. Okay, um, but it's it's sort of a um, showing some of the absurdities mm-hmm. of it. What I've heard is that so so the comparison that often gets made as far as like the dynamics of um, political shows is you know uh, people like wish that politics was like The West Wing. Mm-hmm. Because it's very it's very idealistic and like people are getting things done and, mm-hmm. and there are um, stuff like that. And people on every side, good people on every side, kind of thing. Like, yeah, just trying to like work work things out as best they can. Yeah, yeah, and and you know work gets done mm-hmm. all the time and stuff. Um, and you know a lot of cynics will say that politics is like um, House of Cards, mm-hmm. where everyone is like this Machiavellian mm-hmm. backstabber, and um, then actual politics is like Veep, where there are a bunch of like incompetent people flailing mm-hmm. around. Back in 2016, the 2016 election was was Clinton and Trump, and Clinton had a lot of emails leaked, mm-hmm. right? Almost the majority of them, the Podesta emails, and I read so many of those because <laughs> they were they, it was so fascinating. Yeah, to have, yeah. Like the inside, an inside yeah. look at what you know what these conversations actually look like between high level political operatives, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was very interesting. I've, I've wanted to do a political plot that, that kind of takes from that, mm-hmm. that, like, that way that people will talk to each other and that way that they will kind of, you know, um, keep lists of, like, who has done what for who mm-hmm. and, uh, like, because you, you have to have a dossier on basically everyone, on, on like, thousands of people, basically. Yeah. Just it's... keep track of them all. There's so many movers and shakers for, for various things. and they might become important at any time and you want to make sure that like if you go to a um like a thousand dollar plate dinner or whatever mm-hmm. that, that you're sitting next to the right people or that you like have aides who can whisper in your ear who like a person is right I, i've actually got a friend um, who works as a diplomat and one of the things they told me that was kind of eye-opening you know working in like a foreign country's uh, consulate was like the way that the day the day-to-day life of someone in this world really is often um socializing like like socializing is the is the actual skill set not just the skill set but like the goal like you're spending time with people for explicit reasons and everyone knows obviously that everyone there is is you know they have their agendas they have their goals they have things like they're trying to accomplish uh and a lot of it a lot of the time spent um you know, spending time together is is to kind of further those goals and work and see if there are ways to work together and and, and that kind of thing. And like, when they describe their, for lack of a better word, like their process of like getting better at socializing and like 
keeping track of you know everyone that they've talked to and like doing good doing like being good at follow-up um and um keeping details in 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 mind of like the people they talk to like that that kind of thing that like i don't normally even think of as a skill set uh but obviously should be right obviously would be for someone who for whom this is like the main um um uh like the, the main part of their day-to-day life uh even if like the actual knowledge that they need is beyond this like it reminded me of of the fact that like things like charisma or socialize and stuff like that in rpgs are are, are a separate skill for a reason yeah in terms of what political plots look like i think i think they're basically the same mm-hmm. in terms of of general structure right you have a conflict and that you set up and then you have a, a resolution to that conflict and ideally ideally that resolution sort of gets built to over the course of however many words you're spending mm-hmm. on it has like an interesting or good or definitive resolution of some kind mm-hmm. i bench watched ozark uh, which is about, it's like Jason Bateman, and he's like a money launderer mm-hmm. for the cartel. That was a surprisingly political show. Like, like not in terms of any, or very much in the way of like actual politics, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of like plate spinning and a lot of like social interactions and not necessarily even trading favors, but, but like trying to come to solutions because there are all these individual parties who all have like different different things that they want and and different games that they are playing basically Mm -hmm. and a lot of the action of the show is just uh jason bateman's character trying to figure out how he can keep all these plates in motion Mm -hmm. and how he can like make make deals basically i actually think that there are certain from a certain perspective a political plot could look the same as a like a real estate deal Mm mm-hmm it's very rare to find fiction where, uh, like, a real estate deal is, is part of the major plot, though, right? Like, this is one, one of the reasons I think political plots can exist, even if they're rare, is because there's, like, an intrinsic, regardless of what the, uh, what people perceive of, like, the, let's say the format, for lack of a better word, of the conflict or the, uh, or the moves that the characters are making, whether it's learning about people and their, their, their lives or like making deals with them or trading favors or whatever. There's this sense of like the outcome is really intrinsically important. Uh, usually in, 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 you know, fiction plots, you're gonna, you're gonna usually have something like, um, important happening as like the, the goal or the, the, the driving desire of the characters. Uh, and so politics, even if it looks boring on the, in the day to day, uh, a lot of the drama can come from like, this is all too, save some institution uh like a little bit of money like no like no one's gonna care about that like this is all to win some civil rights or to like shift the 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 goals of like a uh, a nation in the middle of war or something like that i think that's a big part of what what draws what what amplifies the importance of what what uh, what, what might normally be considered just like oh this guy needs to um get to know this person and and find out what they want and then like find a way to get to them and and so on and so forth yeah, we can talk about motivations for a little bit as our as our, the starter for talking about conflicts in political plots. Motivation, power is a big one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the cynical motivation. Um, affecting real change, whatever you know that means, is kind of. I think it would be hard to do that and and not have someone come off as maybe a little naive. But that's the same. It's kind of refreshing to see that. Yeah. But you don't see it very often because it's like, oh, I, I came to Washington because I wanted to, you know, I want to make a difference in the world, mm-hmm. right? 
It's, there's an intrinsic, in terms of motivation, there is an intrinsic light side, dark side in political stories. Like, oftentimes you'll get, you know, characters that are protagonists but are, like, focused on power, and, and they're usually not considered very, like, either they're, like, the anti-hero of the story, so to speak, like, they're, like, a mentor figure or someone who's, like, helping uh, the main character, but, like, if you want the main character to be likable, they tend not to be that kind of character unless they're, like, House of Cards situation where they're, like, a villain protagonist or whatever. Yeah, I think you see it. You see it some. I, I think that the the quest for power is it's the easiest thing to hang a story on because mm-hmm. then you have your story beats like you have the character you know, arc I, and everything. Well, yeah, the the character arc, but then you have you have like a defining moment, mm-hmm. right? Which is the election, and the election comes. I think for a lot of stories, the election is like the end point. It's like the climax. <laughs> you kind of you can you you can build an easy story right. around. A, an election right, because right. the election the end of the election someone coming into office you don't have to see what they actually do in office right um but that sort of gives you a frame where there's an inherent conflict which is you know uh, two people on two sides mm-hmm. uh, or you know whatever um and then you are leading up to this definitive end and you kind of have this back and forth in the conflict until eventually it comes down to the wire on election right. day and they're the winner, and then and then that's where you end, right? If if you're following a classic sort of rising action climax falling action yeah, yeah. structure, um, and then you can the other thing about that is that you can do that multiple times, right? Because you, um, especially in the American system, there's sort of feeders going up, right? You become mm-hmm. state senator, then you become a senator, or uh, I guess House of Representatives, then senator, then you know, it's the big leagues, and you're finally moving up. You you can carry a. I mean, usually you wouldn't start at state state senator. You'd start. I don't know. I don't know where you'd start in like a classic political one. But but you have multiple, um, different levels that you can go up. So there's like a built-in progression, kind of. Is it like it's not like a progression fantasy thing, <laughs> but like a it, it's there's built-in escalation. Yeah, the, you, there's there's a hierarchy that you're climbing up. Yeah. So, so that's that's kind of, I think, the easiest political conflict to do, uh, where all this maneuvering and deal making and things like that, um, where you have like a deal fall through because mm-hmm. you got undercut by your rival or whatever, and then all that is built around the structure of elections. I think that that's the easiest mm-hmm. way to do, and it's I think if you have an antagonist there. That's the easiest way to make the quest for more power sympathetic. Yeah, I mean the tra- the traitor Barokarment was a great example of like a protagonist who is clearly driven um, to acquire power in a way that is sympathetic. Right, you can make the goal to acquire power itself sympathetic, and I think the like in politics, like you, if you if your character is the kind who's going to need to start doing like. Um, Shady things to you know to show the dark kind of the darker side of politics and how how one can like deal with them, like the necessary evil of of doing things to acquire power is always an interesting character arc uh, to see someone idealistic go through. Practical Guide to Evil uh, does a lot of pol- political arcs, especially in interludes, um, which I think are really well done and show how a lot of the a lot of the machinations behind the scenes of the big action scenes um, can be won by like. The kinds of things that you might consider like espionage or uh, like finding 
like just just ha like the, the the way in which just having information about your your opponents and your allies uh can be leveraged into into like trades or power or like concessions and stuff like that um yeah. and that's that's always really interesting to see particularly when used by different sorts of people like a favorite thing in any political scheme for me is always like whenever the characters are able to utilize like information in a way that I couldn't think of to to like get an advantage out of it and that's probably particularly difficult to do in national fiction uh because like you'd want ideally for this to be something predictable but yeah there's there's a lot a lot of it that comes down sometimes to like just being being a being the kind of character that thinks of thinks of political maneuvers in the in the way that like most protagonists think of combat maneuvers or yeah more like more general kinds of forms of, of resolving conflict yeah so power side mm -hmm. uh po power as a motivation is its own conflict basically because mm -hmm. there, there are always other people who are going to want power yep. and so you have your, your built-in conflict there the other i'm gonna go real quick through my list mm -hmm. of of the other forms of typical story or or like motivating factor you could go uh -huh. um crusade is a big one mm -hmm. Usually, usually a crusade story will start with someone who like gets something brought to their attention. This is actually how how politicians will often frame uh, some effort that they're going through. That they heard from someone, or that there was some kind of event that happened, and they need new legislation mm -hmm. to to solve whatever problem, right? Because that's that's how the politicians frame it. Cause it's a story, and that's how they kind of try to sell you on it. Yeah. Right. Which I think does actually happen, right? You, you... Right, it's very rare to, to have politicians rally around, like... Well, in fiction, anyway, it's very rare for, for pol pol political motivation to rally around, like, getting rid of a law or something. It's usually some crisis, just like in real life. Like, some crisis happens that, like, people need to either... Either it's been ongoing, and so people, like, are finally, like, we need to do something about this. Um, and that's, like, what the big payoff is supposed to be, that something was done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah something was done. Yeah. Um, usually, usually, the if there's... A typical, if there's a typical resolution for it, it's that some piece of legisla legislation gets passed that solves the problem. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm such a cynic because I'm like, <laughs> that doesn't actually happen. I'm sure it actually does happen. It's just, it's just my that's where my mind goes. So I'm just like, that's I wouldn't write that because it'd be too idealistic. Or like that, the thing that actually ends up getting passed is, is not the actual thing that people like rallied for it, right like it's, it's weak and it's watered down yeah exactly it's got pork bar barrel stuff stuck in it and whatever. it just doesn't make yeah. for as satisfying a climax for a fictional story uh i mean i would probably enjoy reading those kinds of stories more but yeah it definitely is not as idealistic as people uh are used to in, in fiction yeah so I, I think you do see those every once in a while mm -hmm. they there are a lot that are about for like real pieces of legislation and like the people who worked really really hard to get Civil Rights Act passed, mm -hmm. or Clean Air Act, or various things like that. So mm -hmm. you you have a very clear narrative path that you can chart for that, which is someone becomes aware of the problem. Mm -hmm. Usually, you would pick someone who is like fish out of water, <laughs> who, who's not you know who is not already invested in it. Right. right. So you don't you follow mean... someone who has been doing this for like 15 years. You follow someone who was unaware until the start of the story. Mm -hmm. They get read in, and then they go through whatever trials and tribulations they have to, and then you end with something being being done whether that's the passage of a big act or you actually see this more often in uh legal conflicts where where uh the resolution is that someone you know is found guilty mm -hmm. 
or and some company has to pay billions is assessed a huge fine or, or whatever, right. right? The the like Aaron Brockovich mm-hmm. moment. And I do think legal is a sidebar here, but uh, legal conflicts have a lot in common with political conflicts. They're just a little bit more clear cut in terms of um, winners and losers. And for most legal conflicts, that it comes down to a court case or right. a settlement or an admission of guilt or something like that. And they still, you know, they still smooth it out, out all the bumps and they compress down the timelines and stuff like that. But. Yeah, I was going to make a comparison between political and, and criminal uh, fiction in the sense that just the same way it's very rare to actually see like a criminal uh, law um, story that doesn't at some point end up with some like action scene or some, you know, someone turning things violent or, or uh, something like that. It's very rare to see like the actual the actual proceedings of like the, the court case and the, and the legal side of everything like that being the main focus of the entire story. Um, yeah. And, and if you do see that, it's very fictionalized. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, which is, I, I don't know, that can be fine. So, so that's crusade, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have a problem and legislation is going to be the thing that fixes it or some votes on a committee or possibly an election of some kind or um, having someone put on, you know, possibly you could do it. And like, if we're, if we're in like fantasy fiction and you're not doing anything in the real world, mm-hmm. um, you do it with uh, a different air being selected Mm-hmm. Like a new a new ruler would be another way to to do. Um, you'd be doing the same power thing, but you'd be doing it by way of crusade. Um, and it might be someone who is not like your protagonist is not who gets the uh, the power at the end, right? Right. Otherwise, usually, like those kinds of stories usually end up with like very much more of, more of like a have to re- reclaim my throne kind of story through through some kind of violence or like gathering like support and stuff. Yeah. So. Next one, scandal mm-hmm. is another big one. Uh, usually, you would see this scandal from many different viewpoints. Um, you would have like people who are like victims or like incidentals to it, mm-hmm. as well as some look inside the war room of people who are responding to a scandal. You know, I've never seen the TV show Scandal. <laughs> I assume that it's about scandals of some kind. I think, I think the, the show is largely about like the fixers, basically. The people who are, whose job it is to to deal with like when scandals show up uh, or are threatened. Like there's a threat of a scandal, like what to do to avoid the bad publicity or the negative fallout and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so you have, for a scandal, you have a very clear inciting incident, mm-hmm. which narratively is very helpful for you. It's a little bit more complicated kind of getting through that and what success looks like sometimes if you are setting the person who has the scandal as the antagonist uh which you can definitely do um you have that same inciting instant that like you know some stuff comes out and then success looks like uh basically nailing them to the wall over it Mm -hmm. right but you can do it both ways it it depends on i know west wing did like three or four different scandal Mm -hmm. plot lines and they were almost all within the west wing mm-hmm. right and so the plot is how they how they deal with this how they meet the press about it and what kind of maneuverings are necessary to to kind of mitigate yeah making comparisons again to like the the idea of like a classic conflict within like a, a, a more action-oriented fantasy setting the west wing is actually the the show that made me start thinking about the idea of political like five-man band of political people is like the speechwriters, press people like the data analysts right like there's like everyone in the in the West Wing, uh, the main characters all had like their own like niche, their own like specialty of what they dealt with, and it was 
more or less the 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 way in which political considerations came into them doing their jobs was more or less where the conflict often arose. Like someone had to do something, usually, you know, in the West Wing, like the intentions were usually good, but like it would have some like impact on like some other, uh, something else that like was more important. Uh, and then there's like some like, conflict within the team about like trading off ideals versus results or like everyone's like banded together against some like scandal or outside issue that like is causing potential conflict for them all. And either the scandal is the is the story that the protagonists are investigating, right? In, in a kind of like water Watergate kind of story. Or the scandal is like like the insider's view on like how everyone reacted to and and dealt with um, the scandal itself. Yeah, and you've got a lot of very interesting stuff like shifting allegiances mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know people having incentive to turn traitor right. on their side. A, a lot of good narrative stuff there. Yeah, scandal storylines are, are usually the ones that that'll mirror a lot of investigative like investigative journalism stories or or criminal investigative stories. Yeah, so. Following Scandal War, mm-hmm. which can take a number of forms, like wanting to get into a war, or like just how a government deals with war making on the political level. Mm-hmm. Very often, especially especially like fantasy or historical stuff, you'll see people trying to avert a war. Mm-hmm. So like trying to uh, have like a last minute peacemaking, or tr- trying to trying to deal with uh, like root. Um, tensions between the two groups that would be involved in war right i don't think you see that very often because the war itself is more there we have a lot more war stories than we have politics stories yeah right and so a politics story that is about war is kind of like the backdrop to what's going on politically i don't think you see very much of that in terms of i and i'm not sure I'm, i mean I, I know why that is because it resonates with people mm-hmm. more, right the, the thought of going off to fight and die for a cause or for your country or whatever. But yeah, you, you don't see very many war politics movies, but that is another kind of subgenre, and it's another like plot point for that with obvious fail mm-hmm. or success conditions to it, and usually a good inciting instant, so that like the inciting instant is very clear, the conflict's very clear, and the end is very clear, mm-hmm. right? So you you have a lot... You have a very easy narrative time of it, and that, I think that's one of the reasons it's it's one of the sort of political plot subgenres. And the final one is catastrophe or crisis. Did you ever see Shin Godzilla? <laughs> I have not. Okay, Shin Godzilla was a Godzilla movie from Japan in like 2016, I want to say, that mostly followed the political side to Godzilla showing up, mm-hmm. right? It mostly was not about fighting a giant monster. It was mostly about the political response to fighting a giant monster. Similarly, I always get them confused, but either Deep Impact or Armageddon focused a lot of effort and time on the political response to an asteroid impact, Mm -hmm. which is a very interesting way of doing it and obviously has whatever parallels you want to draw. um, But a lot of people will, will make movies like that that are about some fantastical or some fantastical political event sort of by way of talking about politics or, or laying out a view of how political structures function mm-hmm. and on how political conflicts get resolved. Um, in Shin Godzilla, it's a lot of people who are kind of, it shows a lot of the bureaucracy of the Japanese government as in sort of like a critical way. Right. Uh, and then a lot of the resolution 
is around people who are um, choosing to work outside the like bureaucratic structure mm-hmm. that they're within, uh, which is kind of part of part of the point of the movie. There was another there was another asteroid impact one where where it was mostly it was mostly about them running from you know whatever crisis mm-hmm. was in place, but then there was an additional fair amount of politics on there was a political focus on like life rafts and like who Mm -hmm. gets to leave and uh, a lot of like poor rich conflict Mm -hmm. i don't remember which one it is but it's it's a it's a common theme to um take a catastrophe or a crisis it could be real or or imagined and that gives you your inciting instant and then your resolution is when you are past the crisis point right and you have dealt with it. Um, the Deepwater Horizon spill, whenever that was, they, they did. They did make, I th- think, a political movie about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but that's a, a very common thing to do. Is for you, you take the sort of smaller version of that can be resolved more easily and is more easily identifiable, and then you use that to set your political conflicts within. Uh, basically, a man, a man versus nature plot. Yeah, in in political context. The um, some of my favorite episodes of Battlestar Galactica and The Expanse are focusing on political consequences of the uh, plot. Essentially, like there are entire episodes where the entire like the 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 actual threat never actually shows up in in the in, like as like a real thing in the in the storyline. Or if it does, I've completely forgotten that they did. And the the conflict is entirely between different factions within the human fleet or within the, um, you know, between the different types of, of human civilizations that exist. And a lot of it comes down to that question of, like, either how do how do the powerless try to leverage what power they have uh, and how do the people in power respond to that? Or how do how do different people with power, uh, vi- like, with different types of power, military versus civilian versus, like, legal or something, like, use those different kinds of power against each other to, to try to get accomplish what they what they want and those are i think usually really really engaging and, and fascinating to watch while while when when done well did you ever watch um the, something like battlestar galactica yep i watched battlestar galactica and the expanse both have a fair amount of the politics stuff yeah which i like yeah I, I especially the expanse has has quite a bit of people of different factions and with different beliefs and values who are kind of talking to each other and a lot of what's happening is just based on those those beliefs kind of coming to the forefront, and a lot of the conflicts are like resource conflicts, but are given sort of a, a, a politics setting to it. There's a lot of fantastical stuff as well, and there is a quite a bit of conflicts that are solved through violence, mm-hmm. but uh, a fair amount of, of politics as well. Yeah, which, which is pretty common to have uh, politics as as kind of a B plot to your action a plot or your intrigue a plot yeah it's i mean one of the one of the major reasons i enjoyed the wire um so much is because those kinds of considerations and conflicts are just as important uh, and and center stage um as the stuff happening on the streets and some of my favorite parts of even like hpmr were like just when it would go into the wizarding justice system and like the way the way the political landscape was informing the decisions that people like Dumbledore and stuff were making that didn't seem like they made sense at the time or or seemed like against your hopes or expectations and that that kind of thing really appeals to me and I enjoy that kind of thing a lot when it happens in 
stories. It's very rare to see it, I think, in, in what we might consider most non-political fiction. Yeah. Because it just, it, I mean, it takes a lot of time. It's very, like, you, you need basically, like, an entire new set of cast, like, a new, a new cast of characters to even, like, appreciate all the detail that's going into, like, these decisions and, and who, who's, like, responsible for them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the same reason that, like, most fictionalized investigation or, or cop shows, like, don't deal with, like, the court side of things because it's a whole different, like, set of rules that you need to know and, and characters that are important and all that kind of stuff. Where, like, if they involve them, it's all re- very Hollywoodized and, and not at all representative of how it actually works. Yeah. But when you see it being done in fiction, in written fiction particularly, I think it's it's hard to capture a realistic system that has realistic solutions to it. I think we talked about this before in a previous episode, but like part of the reason why rational fiction is largely set in non-modern contemporary time periods is because there's like there's there's very little optimization room. Uh there's very little left to munchkin. Like there's there's just like there's, there's it's very hard to move the needle in any particular direction. There's like hundreds of thousands of people in every in every area and every field that are already pushing for it in their own ways, and like, like the relative impact an individual would have is just is just very small, uh, which is kind of a, like as it should be in the sense that like if a single person could like step into politics and and completely change the legal system, however just it might be or however much it might be in like the right direction, quote unquote, then like the, the system itself would just be very fragile. It wouldn't it wouldn't be even remotely democratic, let alone accountable to people, I guess. Yeah, you you would expect a system that was like that to not be very robust. Yeah, right. It, it, having a very swingy system is kind of. I mean, you know, you expect it from from you you would expect it more from from dictatorships, uh, and very few, surprisingly, I guess not surprisingly, uh, very few uh, political stories in the modern times are set in set with protagonists as dictators or or kings or whatever whereas you can get away with it a lot more in fictional stories in, in fantasy stories where like at the time that the story is set time being a relative term um like having a monarch uh is just like expected so like you can be like a good king quote unquote yeah and even then i think there's a lot of i guess game of thrones is where i go cuz it's like the title <laughs> a lot of it is is about the king and all the people around him and them vying against each other for not just power, but to to implement the measures that mm-hmm. they want implemented, right? Because whatever their vision for the Seven Kingdoms is. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there it, it's a lot easier in a feudal system because you have your your individual cast of characters is quite a bit smaller or can be. Right, because you have your king, you have the members of his court who are not going to be—they're not going to be that many important ones—and then you also have the king's liege lords, right? And those people are going to be beholden to other people, but the king's not necessarily going to know them, mm-hmm. and so they can be kind of abstracted as part of the end result of being the lord or whatever. Yeah, right. So because your your dukes have—I I can't remember the the order of. Uh, sizes but um, each each of the lower hierarchies has their own court i mean has their own council has their own um people that, did, did you ever watch the uh, cgp grade video um rules for rulers yeah I did. Yeah, yeah yeah this is like this is the kind of thing that i feel like you could you could write an entire story just around this video 
um, and and the subsequent one about dynasties. Like the, the it is the best representation of what I, what to me like my with my naive understanding. Like this is like the best way I've ever seen described what po- what politics actually is and why politics ends up as as corrupt quote unquote um, as it does no matter whether it's a dictatorship or a democracy and yeah. that that tension between needing to keep people happy um, no matter how much power you have like there are people that you need to like pave the roads and run your military and run your police and collect the taxes and and all that kind of stuff like the way the way power is is divided in that sense even if you are a a military dictator king is is just like a fascinating interplay that i think has a lot of inherent conflict built into it that can be uh turned into a story yeah in terms of in terms of like how you write a political story like what the challenges are i think one of the big things that that you need to simplify or you need to you need to be very cognizant of anyway is the cast of characters mm-hmm. um because like in the united states there's so many people who are involved in politics at, even at the very high level right, right? right. You, you have you have so many senators right i i can't name i mean i'm not like super into politics but like it would be very difficult for me to name even like a quarter of senators yeah senators let alone house of representatives right and then again that's just at the federal level there's still like every state has its own legislative house and legislative body and like senate and and like court and everything like that and yeah, like the, and, it, it, yeah, and the and, and the rules for those individual states are often different. Yes, right. Yes. You can't just say, "Oh, this is how things are organized within a state," because every state is different in in terms of like basic structures. Right. There are weird ones, right? Like they have some commonalities, but there's there are states who just you know who have decided that they're going to do things their own totally different way. So what the cast of characters is very big for the, the United States. I would not suggest <laughs> if you were writing it like a fantasy novel, I wouldn't suggest that you mirror, um, mirror our, our political structure. Well, yeah, because it's too, it's too big, right? It's yeah. If you were going to do that, you would have so many people who were essentially faceless, right? Um, what you would do. And I think what people will do for, um, for like political stories that are set in a uh, like a fantasy, mm-hmm. not a fantasy, but like a an alternate Earth, right? Mm-hmm. They will sometimes tell not not tell you who the president is if they're not going to like figure into the story, right? Um, they will basically have you know five to ten people who are part of the story and whose motivations and you get to know and they're part of the they're part of the plot. And everyone else can just be faceless. Right. They can just be like aides who never get a speaking line or or who like aren't part of the story at all. And each person then in the story is going to be representative of usually a larger group, right? Like you wouldn't have you, you would introduce someone who speaks for the unions, right? Right. right. But but the, then you wouldn't have multiple people who speak for the unions who you have to individually please, despite the fact that in the real world. So this this is kind of what I meant by by like the band of five uh, version of of a political story where it's just despite the fact that in the real world like yes you have like a a you know head of media relations and like a like a head speechwriter and all that kind of stuff, um, but in the real world like there are a lot more people involved in all these processes and like 
fictional like conservation of detail in fiction would just make this like nearly impossible unless each of those things was itself the entire story like if your protagonist is the head speechwriter or something or like a new up and coming um speechwriter for like a, a political administration uh like then you can like look into like the the, the big detail the, the big overhead like uh view of of that aspect of the of the executive branch of of the US policy and like politics and all that kind of stuff um, but if you your focus if the focus is not on speech writing it's you're going to have like the head speech writer and maybe the like assistant or something yeah a long running show like the west wing i you do get introduced to uh mm-hmm. secretary of agriculture mm-hmm. and you know secretary of state and, and stuff like that and even, even even then they they will usually like do one episode right exactly yeah yeah and then that person will come back in for guest appearances later right just because you it's it's too many people um that's I think one of the biggest pitfalls of writing a a realistic political plot um, is that you just need to pare down the cast so much to have it be manageable from a prose mm-hmm. perspective. And it's a little bit easier for a different medium, like like film or like television, because you can just have an actor stand in, yep. and they can just be recognizable and made more recognizable by costuming if you need to. Mm-hmm. But that person can be standing in and you can kind of know them that way instead of, you know, saying, oh, you know, Bill was there and and he was secretary of education. And he's not important now, but, you know, he's, he's going to be important later. It's going to be important that he stood next to the president. Yeah, know? I mean, the my, my experience reading Game of Thrones for the first time was very much like, I, I distinctly remember just like scanning like names names and names and names uh like events times people all that kind of stuff to the point of like being able to vaguely like recollect them when they came when they became important later uh and like yeah. now nowadays when i reread it obviously it's like oh i know the i know all these people but yeah it's it's just it's a it's a lot to throw at a reader and expect them to remember them yeah and even game of thrones is really simplified yeah. Yeah. like in terms of you know the Starks and the Car Starks and mm-hmm. the Mormons and and whatever they, they it's simplified down so you, you can get narratively coherent people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a part part of it's that George R. R. Martin is not very good with math, <laughs> but like if you look at the population numbers and you look at like historically how much like land should these. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't do historics because obviously it's a fantasy world, like but, people still need to eat. Like there's there's yeah, there should be a lot more liege lords. <laughs> a lot of what I would say to someone who's writing the politics aspect of either the politics aspect of a, of a rational story or trying to write a rational political story, kind of like you were saying before, is is that like conservation of character, the way yeah. the way in which you shape the story so that you can meaningfully tackle big issues while keeping the character count low and that, i mean that said like i don't want to discourage anyone from trying like an actual like modern kind of system political system as opposed to like a fantasy one like i I would love to read one like that i just it's 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 rare for a reason i think yeah it's one of those areas where i'd i'd i would write a political story i would not try <laughs> that hard to avoid some of the tropes that you see where, oh yeah like no. you to, to conserve characters i mean i, I would i would fudge yeah this is, it's very hard it's 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 hard it's hard not to even for something as as quote-unquote simple as like police procedure like writing any kind of police procedural in a in a rationalist from a rationalist lens is like holy shit this so does not work for, for um it, it so does not tie into uh fictional conceits 
Yeah. There's, there's like an aspect of this that I, I just call like lack of heroic momentum in, in reality. There's just really, it's really, really hard to be quote unquote like a hero or like a protagonist in the real world uh, because systems, the systems that exist do not allow for heroes and, and don't want them, which makes it just very hard to, to have a story about one. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that would be one of the other big pitfalls is just the getting a good ending, mm-hmm. you know, getting a satisfying ending. It's, it's very hard for political plots. Just part of that is modern pessimism about pol- politics mm-hmm. that just makes it hard to make something that people will swallow. But I, I, I do think it's, you don't want those wins that come in as enormous compromises or where like, Obviously, it's going to have like bad knock-on effects, and there's yeah. much pork in it, and it's. it's I would I would say that I imagine, to some degree, the rational fiction audience would enjoy those kinds of stories more than the general audience would. Like with those kinds of endings, I mean. Um, yeah. Like it would. I, I I don't think it would be a problem if you're writing for the for the audience that, that mostly consumes rational fiction. I think I think people would would appreciate that kind of ending more than anything, but. Uh, I, th- I think people would appreciate it as a subversion mm-hmm. once, and then the second time they would appreciate it a lot less, <laughs> and then the third time they'd just be like, "Okay, yeah, we get it." Maybe I, I think I think the moves are, are the are the most important thing. Just like what are like how are the characters actually accomplishing? This that's the way I I see it anyway. I don't know if I should speak should be speaking for other people, but like for me, the, the political moves are are the important part. The outcome is like they can even lose, like it's fine. Like I just as, as long as I learn something about like. The way people interact and think, and the way these systems work, and stuff like that, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's fair. I I always try to think about ending mm-hmm. first because that's the hardest thing to pivot, mm-hmm. right? Like if you want to, I don't know. In the course of writing, it's easiest to have the ending done first, and then to have that in mind as you're going through your yeah. twists and turns. Like I, I give Stephen King a lot of shit for his endings, um, but I still love reading Stephen King. So like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. I, I get what you're saying, though. It definitely I, is. I, yeah. There, there are a lot of authors who've, who have proved that you don't need to be very good at endings yep. to be, to make it as a writer. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Any other uh, like pros and cons of political plots or did things you, you'd avoid? Did you list all the ones that you want to in terms of the types of... Yeah. My, my list is... Let me go through here real quick. Is uh, elections, mm-hmm. uh, crusade, scandal, war, and cat- catastrophe or crisis. Yeah. Of which scandal would technically be a subset, but... Uh, I'd consider it different enough. Yeah, I mean that brings up more of a like uh, man versus nature kind of story. Yeah, but yeah, those those are what I would consider sort of elemental political plots mm-hmm. that are that make the most sense as a jumping off point if you want to write just about purely the politics stuff of you know people talking with each other and exchanging values and making arguments and doing some amount of like studies and investigative work. And, and things like that. Yeah. I, I think that's actually another one of the pitfalls of writing a political plot is that the amount of like data and like information yeah. that you would want to throw at the reader or you'd feel compelled to throw at the reader just because that's what people would have. I mean, especially in the modern era, less so if you're doing like a medieval mm-hmm. politics thing. But I've read a lot of government reports and they are very... <laughs> Like, there's a lot of information in them, and they're very dry, and then, like, most of what makes it to the mainstream is just the headline. Yeah. Which is a poll quote that misrepresents what the source is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
feel like we're going to just be... It's, the episode's going to come off as very discouraging for political stories, which is obviously not the intention. But yeah, I think this is one of the major reasons why this is so rare. And in terms of pros and cons, like, as a pro of writing political stories, there's certain things that certain people are likely to enjoy in stories. I mean, like, when I'm reading fiction, uh, f- feedback from my story, like, those people who, like, really enjoy the action chapters and people who really enjoy the, the like, the talky chapters or the debatey chapters and like, people who enjoy, like, the research chapters and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, if you're, if you're writing a largely political story with very little action or no, no action even, like, if, you, if you're the kind of person who doesn't like writing or reading action scenes, consider writing a story about the political considerations of the uh, meteor impact storyline, right? Like, you don't need to have someone resort to violence. I mean, they can, like, if they, if, you know, like some lone crazy guy at some point in the story, but, like, if you really just like having lots of chapters about people talking to each other, um, like that's the kind of story that you could you could totally do that in. Like that could be a play, and like the dialogue would be the entire thing, like set in one room, you know. Yeah, I think the relative rarity is one of the things that makes it attractive because mm-hmm. it's like if people are really into it, their bar will be a little bit lower. <laughs> what? That's, that's true. <laughs> it is true, but like. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's also easier to do things that are that are new and interesting because yeah, know, exactly. So few, yeah, so few people have done it before that you you're not going to run into like stock characters or plots as easily. There aren't going to be as many like tropes that you got to think of. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, everyone's seen this trope before, and I gotta I gotta write around it because it's too predictable. Because you yeah, know, now that I think about it, Three Worlds Collide was a political story. I yeah. mean, like, it was a yeah. first contact story, but it was also a political story. And, yeah, I mean, an entire book could be written on just the the decision that Earth has to make uh, in one of the branches. Um, like, that's, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. I want. I really wanted to write. So, Ward ended recently, mm-hmm. as of this recording. But when Ward began, there was a very brief, like, one-line mention that there were natives on this planet that they were on. And then I think they went like nine arcs and they were never mentioned again mm-hmm. and i really wanted to write a political story that was about first contact with natives on an alternate earth mm-hmm. and it was kind of about this like political conflict of taking their land basically yeah and having to interact with them and like trying not to repeat the mistakes of the past with um with american indians right, right? uh I really wanted to write that, and then I just kind of stopped reading Ward, and I, I think I, I think I put out a, like a chapter in part of a series of vignettes I wrote, but I really wanted to do that because I, th- I thought that would be like a really great political mm. plot where people can have very different, conflicting views, and yet you would still get some kind of resolution mm-hmm. one way or another, right? Like, obviously something has to be done. You can't just like continue blindly forward and yeah, like even if you do that's a resolution to it right. right yeah yeah the working backwards from resolutions like you've got things like meteor impacts you've got things like alien contact you've got things like alternate worlds like portals and like there's there's a lot of different topics that like can can you can focus your interest on in terms of like what kinds of fantasy or sci-fi do you enjoy like reading what is the what are some of the political considerations that probably went into the beforehand or the or the you know the aftermath of of the resolution? Uh, like a lot of a lot of stories that end with like oh man there was a there was a series I read as a kid uh, my teacher's an alien you know what I'm talking about vaguely I don't know that I read it but the name sounds very familiar yeah there's like my teacher's an alien my teacher glows in the dark yep yeah like they they they, they basically were a child friendly version of you know like the kind of like classic 
horror story of people find out like about an alien in, in human disguise, but like it turns into like this epic fantasy, like Day the Earth Stood Still kind of thing. Like the the confederation of aliens is trying to decide whether or not to reveal themselves to humankind and like or like blow the planet up or whatever. Um, and like I remember as a kid, like thinking like it would be really cool to see this kind of thing from the from the from the human political side instead of like from the perspective of like kids and the and the aliens. Yeah. And like the same thing for like I mean my favorite my favorite modern supernatural stories are the ones where there's no masquerade. So like I mean I guess True Blood is the most popular example, but I hate True Blood. I read the Suki Stackhouse books that they're based on and like I I really didn't enjoy them because the main character is so unlikable. But like Anita Blake and Meredith Gentry, like there's a whole bunch of there's like a whole alternate history of like when uh vampires or the Fae or whatever, like, you know, started showing up and like all the political difficulties that come from like having a citizenry that's like made up of different kinds of people with different powers and, and weaknesses and all that kind of stuff civil rights issues and all that kind of stuff and like a, a story based on like what what does the politics look like when these things are happening i feel like would be probably like not too hard to write in terms of like taking modern taking modern systems and like, writing them from those yeah. angles because you, you've got the people who become relevant in the government in those situations are going to be distinct ones. So like you don't have to worry as much about all the different characters that, that should naturally come into play. Yeah. I do want to say that we've been talking with primarily focus on like U.S. political mm-hmm. stuff. Obviously, politics stretches out into almost any different organization. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point, yeah. Like, like elections are... I mean, yeah, you do have elections for, you know, things that aren't explicitly a political governmental office. But um, I mean, homeowners associations have elections. Like the poli- oh, yeah. the yeah. Po- the politics on the small scale of stuff can be can be just as I don't want to say just as cutthroat, but they can be just as intricate and interesting to write about as long as people care about what, yeah. what the outcome is. Yeah. So, like in brief, uh, we have like guilds, we have corporations. Mm-hmm. Student Council <laughs> is a big anime one. Mm-hmm. I don't watch a ton of anime, but I know that usually the Student Council is just, um, they're just antagonists. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted, you could set a political plot within, like, the Student Council and, like, student groups and stuff like that. Um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of variations on that that I think you find in pretty much any large organization. will have some element of politics that are similar in some ways, and I think more relatable to people Mm -hmm. depending on kind of where they're coming from but it can be more relatable to talk about a like a middle manager or um someone who's kind of at the mercy of these political plots or trying to like work within the structure of politics i think that's also very popular plot i'm not sure i'm hesitant to call that politics because that um it's definitely political i think it i think it's fair to call call that poli- i mean like if, if i could clone myself i would i would write a story about like the politics involved in in like running a um therapeutic nonprofit for like a county because it's just so ridiculous um the the things that go in and out of like the different systems that, that interact in that system like the school board versus the um like police department versus the, the hospitals and versus the, the clinic itself and you know the different layers within the clinic and the different like sub subgroups within the clinic and like the different populations that he serve as social workers and it's just like a whole it's a whole thing and yeah you're right like you, you can definitely zoom in on smaller scale stuff to kind of mostly shrink the the cast of characters but also like um zoom in on things that people might find more relatable yeah 
Uh, it's also very easy to either go to a to go to like a city council. Oh meeting. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like if you want to just like sit on on one, you can do that. You can find videos online. Uh, usually their quality is not very good, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's one of the things that makes politics attractive as opposed to something like medicine is that politics you can there's so much information and to some extent transparency like you can you can look at historical like speeches Mm -hmm. and stuff like politics politicians are very upfront about that and usually they'll there are a lot of people willing to spill the beans once all the dust is settled Mm -hmm. on like political campaign or um what they did as, as operatives or or whatever there's there's a lot of juicy and very ready information for for research and stuff in a way that i don't think is true of um corporate medical profession oh or, yeah, or, yeah or i mean yeah not corporate stuff <laughs> either <laughs> for sure uh i think that's yep. all i had for for political plots same we hope that you enjoyed it and yeah i guess we could do another episode on this in terms of like talking about more specifically like what what happens when politics get involved in, in plots of stories but yeah thanks for listening yeah stay safe everyone yeah yeah stay safe everyone <laughs> <laughs>